0: I'm not here for you. I am here for the dreams and the aspirations of your parents and grandparents. And I am here for the promise of legacy that you're leaving to your children and grandchildren. You're the guy I get to talk to.
1: Hello again, and welcome back. Welcome to another show of uh, the Conscious Accelerator Experience. And today I have another another member of the team, the wonderful John King, who's who's, uh, made time to join us from a glorious place in in Mexico. it's hard to introduce John in just one sentence, but uh, I first came across John through his book, The Tribal Leadership, which I think is it's definitely one of the top 20 books or something. It's, some, uh, it's got some extraordinary um, accolades. So congratulations. But that really had an effect on me. I was working in corporate at the time in London, and this book became our way of thinking. And it's, in many ways, it's so simple. Um, and yet so effective so welcome John thank you first of all for writing that amazing book and impacting so many people I have to say (laughs) it's it's one of the uh, one of the um, the shining examples of a great leadership book so uh,
0: well thank you you know you're very very gracious Lawrence and I I really appreciate the kind words uh the truth about it is who knew (laughs) You you, you, you write it and you put it out there because this is my best offer Mm. And this is what I think is my value add proposition. And, uh, you know, and then there's thousands of books like that that are written a year. But when it caught on and then went to number one and then became one of the top 20 books, who knew? It's, you know, Really? It's
1: uh, a, it's, so it was more of a, it was, you didn't think this is a bestseller when I was writing it. No, thinking, I, 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 I
0: didn't really have, I literally did not have a thought about that. I had a thought about how can I authentically get down on paper what it is that I've been working with and working that I know that works because work, it's all about relationship. Mm. And so I know that the, these ideas work for people uh, and they work in organizations. So let's just write it down. And who knew it took off and, and uh, uh, did real well. It's funny. The tribal part is uh, my father is a geologist. And he was a field geologist. And so uh, my family lived uh, out in the desert on Indian reservations. And for a while, we lived in the Hopi nation of Oribe, uh, uh, Arizona. And uh, so when I saw that how people talk and how people operate and how people structure their relationships and so on like that. The more I looked at it, the more I thought, you know, this is tribal. right? And, uh, and so I just began talking to that and distinguishing out tribal. And the amazing thing that happened, you know, like one of those serendipitous things, Lawrence, was that the very week that we published tribal leadership, uh, Seth Godin, who is a, a genius.
1: I love Seth. Uh, yeah, he's so- <laughs> uh, he,
0: he put tribes out. Okay. and so we kind of rode on I think we rode on his coattails all right uh, because it suddenly became this is a viable interesting useful conversation the whole thing so what can I do and then when people in leadership positions wanted to well how do you what you know how do what are you distinguishing as leadership uh it, it, it just kind of fell together so it was that kind of a blessing
1: It's it's
0: that, you know, mostly, and it's been my experience, mostly, what people had been doing is they had been teaching uh, management at a kind of on steroids, and calling it leadership. And it was annoying to me, I was teaching, lecturing at the University of Southern California in the business school. And... Everybody, everybody, everybody was teaching management and there were no distinctions of leadership at all. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there and let's see what happens. It turns out people are hungry. (laughs) That kind of a conversation. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier uh, and you said, you know, balance and equilibrium is so critically important. And uh, I have to tell you that in the notion of triads, which I talk about, the uh, contextual triad for all of my work is something called strength, balance, and flexibility. Really, How and where I got it, you know, things come from strange places, and I got it from yoga. Really, and and, <laughs> and what I knew was that strength, balance, and flexibility. Everybody has one. Some people have two. Nobody's got all three. <laughs> so you have to put people together that actually fill in the holes in your game. So I'm a guy who was at the time was very flexible. I needed to surround myself with people who were well balanced Mm -hmm. and who had great strength like that. And we would form uh, our little kind of partnership groupings. and, uh, And if we did it correctly, if we did it in a way where we were surrendered to each other and we were surrendered to some kind of greater vision Something I like to call a noble cause. If we were surrendered into that and we were all aligned on that, we could actually do some pretty amazing stuff. So, strength, balance, and flexibility. So, I so much appreciate you know when you brought that up about
1: Sure, it is uh, it's all about balance isn't it you realize this is a higher order and when we're is, in balance we're we're, we're healthy i want is, to just there's so many things i'd like to ask you um but maybe maybe since we've talked about tribal leadership it'll be useful for the listeners just to understand because you've got um, like five stages i think it is of um and, and maybe if you could just you do, talk through it. those and, and, and I'm conscious also that when you wrote the book, the world was very different. And over the last year, we've had a whole, you know, a whole change. And a lot of people are now out of balance and are reviewing culture, reviewing leadership, reviewing everything, you know, how and where we work. And we had that conversation a little bit earlier as well. But maybe if you could just share with us those five stages and, sure. and, 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 and what that looks like, that would be great.
0: Yeah, the uh, and as I say this, so they're in ascending order: stages one, two, three, four, and five. And uh, there are two separate conversations, so I'll do I'll separate them out. The first conversation is linguistic; it's how people talk at the at the level of stages one, two, three, four, and five. And uh, the ones that are really the operative stages are two, three, and four. But stage one, stage one is not you, it's not me, it's not anybody we know, it's people who are usually uh, institutionalized or incarcerated. It's about 3% of the population. Uh, They are undermining, they undermine every culture that they're in. They're kind of by themselves, so they have a feeling of being alienated. And they have a language that if you threw a net over all of their language, the language is life sucks. So that's about 3% of the population. Stage two, however, comes into play very powerfully next, and that's you and me on a bad day. So you and me on a bad day, what happens is we're ineffective. So this stage is called ineffective. And in the ineffective stage, uh, what happens is we're not alienated, but we feel separate from others. So if you'll notice that when people are ineffective, they're not connected to other people, And given that what we are is we are social, uh, the the more profoundly we can be connected to one another, the more effective we're going to be. So what happens is at the level of ineffective stage two, you and me on a bad day, is we don't say life sucks, but we do say my life sucks. Got it. See, I can see that yours works. And if I had your curly hair, or if I had your M.B.A., or I, I had your connections, or something like, my life would. But I don't, so it doesn't. <laughs> and so that's stage two. Got it. And it's, uh, uh, it's a kind of a, a, a position where the people, uh, are suffering. Uh, they feel that they're not being understood, listened to, heard. They're not connected. Okay. Uh, where you run into this a lot is when you go your very first few days on a job mm. or when your first few days when you went into university or uh, mm-hmm. went to a new situation and you're not connected to anybody mm. and you're ineffective and your life mm. sucks.
1: I can see that and I guess you're feeling um, almost threatened by the um, you're environment. You're feeling threatened,
0: mm-hmm. you're feeling like a martyr, you're feeling like nobody gets you. My, mommy, my mm-hmm. mom used to say Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to the garden and eat worms. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that way about it. Stage three is connected at the navel to stage two. They are symbiotic. Uh, They depend on each other. Stage three is useful. People who are useful. They get rewarded for their work. They uh, uh, are effective at what they do. They have a relationship to people who are, who are ineffective because they, uh, because they are hierarchical. They're competitive. They've won the game. And uh, they, uh, the way that they talk is they don't say, life sucks or my life sucks. What they say is, I'm great. And in the way of saying I'm great, in the silence, Lawrence, they say, and you're not, <laughs> and I have the stats to prove. So these are very competitive people yeah. this is where sports works out mm. this is a zero-sum game sort of thing where there's a winner and a loser and stage three is the winner stage two is the loser people mm. lie cheat and steal <laughs> Got it. Stay where they are
1: it's a uh, so very very ego-centered
0: oh very very ego-centered mm. and uh the point of it is they're not alienated they're not separate but they're interested in one thing and that is personal domination so that's stage three well all of that is what we do is a me 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 Mm -hmm. kind of relationship in the world and that's how they talk stage four is where real leadership begins it's where health begins by the way so the people who are at stage four have had some kind of an insight and part of the insight is this everybody thinks they're a good team player they're not uh they're uh people think they're a good team player in a kind of a star and supporting cast kind of milieu as long as i'm the star Uh, (laughs) but the reason that people are not good team players is because generally speaking people are not good partners we've learned partnership at stage three and stage two so it's junior partner senior partner which is a nice way of saying master slave (laughs) and uh, uh you know it doesn't have uh, a co-equal kind of relationship. Well, at stage four, people consciously design a non-zero-sum positive outcome game where we're in this together and we win or we lose together. And in this game, uh, it's called important. These are important relationships. And in these important relationships, rather than saying, you uh, life sucks my life sucks i'm great you're not (laughs) they actually consciously shift gears and they say we are great together and they start operating out of we are great together Mm. and in we are great together what they begin to design is stable and effective partnership once you've learned stage four and you've learned how to create stable and effective partnerships, Mm -hmm. then you are actually ready to do important work in life. So this is where leadership begins. This is where balance occurs. This is where resonant values are exchanged. This is where uh, the tone of it rather than win lose, the tone of it is one of respect and dignity. Mm -hmm. So I, I I get a certain kind of dignity. And not only that, but I find out what, what you do that actually fills in the hole in my game. And I have a great amount of respect for that.
1: Mm, this is wonderful. So, so this, is, yeah. this, is, this is win-win, isn't it? This is where win-win starts.
0: This is where the game really begins. Mm. And the difference between, say, stage three, a person who's useful, uh, if you take a look at what they produce in life, if they go to stage four, which is rare, by the way, but if they go to stage four, with the same amount of effort or maybe less, they produce anywhere from three to five times as much. Absolutely. Which which figure? So yeah. The idea of productivity. Mm. Is yes. And this and concept with, of
1: high performance culture. You know, a lot of uh, companies are looking for a high performance culture, yeah. and this is around. Yeah. You need to be
0: operating. Yeah, yeah. I worked. Uh, I worked for several years with a company called Zappos,
1: mm. and Zappos right. is a marketing
0: right. company, an online marketing company. Mm. And uh, the guy who was running it, a fellow named Tony Shea, genius.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh, uh, they they were not uh, what we call chopped liver when I got to them. They had a game. They had a clue, but they read the book. And by the time I got to them, what they were doing, we noticed that they were that there were tons of tribal leadership was being <laughs> fought by the same guy every week. And any time anybody came through it, they would give them a copy when they did the tour. (laughs) So when I arrived, they gave me a copy of my own book and we did the tour. And it was the most harmonious, collaborative, fun, crazy uh, kind of work environment, I think that I'd ever seen because they had permission to be great. Mm. They had permission and Tony and Albert and Fred, the guys who put the company together, were kind of like surrendered to the whole process and just watching it unfold. Mm. And this is where I saw that what they were practicing was virtues of health and well being for everybody in the program, everybody that was working there, and a certain level of practicing the virtue of justice. And In so doing, if you came to work for them, Lawrence, you would work for them, they had two locations. They had their call center, which was in Las Vegas, 24 hour call center. And then in Lexington, Kentucky across the country, right next to the UPS station was their their, uh, warehouse where they sent everything out. Right. They would make a promise and their promise would be that you would have your delivery in five days and you would get it the next day. So you start out with, boy, you're just delighted. <laughs> then as you opened the package of what they were selling you, <clears throat> there would be a return form in there and the postage was already paid and it was already filled out. Wow. So you'd take it out, you'd try it on, if you didn't like it, put it back in the box, tape it up and give it right back to them and it was mailed back and they would send you another one. So let's say you went to work in Las Vegas and you worked there for about a month or six weeks. And then they sent you across the country for a month and a half to work in Lexington, Kentucky, where you were boxing things up and sending things out. So you learned their business, the key aspects of their business. And then when you came back, you had uh, your own interview, a kind of a debrief uh, with one of the, principles of the company. And at some point in that conversation, they would take $2,000 in cash and put it on the desk. And they would offer you the cash if you would quit. (laughs) Nobody took the cash. (laughs) That's behind the company they were. So I was there, it was 1030 in the morning. Uh, You don't think they're doing anything. It looks like it's all playtime. It is awesome. And I'm looking at this uh, kind of running tally. And they kept their tally for midnight on, 10.30 in the morning. Now, we got interrupted because a conga line of about 10 people with costumes on came through dancing a samba and just taking a dance break. And when they got through, but I looked up on the scorecard. And they had done 23 and dollars since midnight. Amazing.
1: Amazing. And
0: not one person in the call center was being tracked on whether they were selling anything or not. What they were there was to provide service in such a way that if you were interested and wanted to talk about shoes, somebody would talk about shoes with you. And if you never made an order, not a problem. That's not a problem That's phenomenal phenomenal uh, business model mm-hmm. uh and it informed you know it all it did was just kind of validate that i thought that you know people should have fun they should be in kind of relationships that are balanced and that are healthy and mm-hmm. that are and they took it to an art form
1: that, that is and, amazing, and it's very based on trust, that kind of environment, too, oh, the whole thing, because it's trust. You can see, like, stage four, there's trust with team members, but also trust with customers, trust with yeah. everything.
0: And, well, it was really beyond trust in a certain peculiar way, Lawrence, in the sense that it was really uh, meritorious. And there was, uh, they did have a rule, and it's the rule, it basically is the rule of stage four. I think this is why Tony liked what we did. The rule of stage four is no free riders. So there were no free riders. So you're gonna get in, you're gonna contribute. And as long as you're rocking and rolling with them and everything, you're gonna do fine Mm -hmm. like that. We're not gonna score you on what you're selling. We're gonna score you on almost like an attitude check. And here's here's what we discovered. We discovered that when merit was present, trust was automatically present. So it was really, the relationships were based on merit, trust in the background.
1: Mm. The reason
0: being that when trust is in the foreground, it'll get violated yes. always. Yes. And once violated, never recovered. Mm. So let's have merit in the foreground. If that's violated, we can cover, we can recover, we can correct. And in the back, we haven't violated trust.
1: Mm. I, I think, I think this is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that example. I mean, yeah, that's, really it's a, it's I like. a
0: huge, huge, mm. it's a huge concept that is part of stage four. Mm. And so in stage four, that's it, you know, you're, you're in meritorious relationships where they're stable and effective collaborative. And what it allows you to do is, uh, every once in a while, the universe calls on you and they say, how would you like to do something that's going to make history <laughs> That's what stage five is Stage five is not a not a uh, particular level that you hold. So there's nobody stays there, but you go to stage five, and you collaborate with other teams like you have, who are working on something common in common, and uh, you are doing something that is vital. Vital meaning life altering, life giving, and in this, this is where team shows up. And how come team works here is because you did partnership earlier. So now we're just partnering, partnering, partnering team. And then uh, instead of life sucks, my life sucks, I'm great, you're not, we're great together. The top of the upper level is one of life is great. Because when you're doing something, I mean, you could just imagine, don't you think that Elon Musk gets to the end of his day and goes, you know what, life is great. (laughs) got a thing going and Richard Branson Mm -hmm. and you know people who are actually making it happen in a way that is attractive to people and got going so the first way you look at it is you look at the way that people talk Mm -hmm. then you have to ask the question as a leader uh, do people lie and the answer is yes and then the question is how often and the answer is all the time in fact (laughs) every time what do we do because people will represent themselves as win-win they will represent themselves as we are great together until push comes to shove and when push comes to shove it becomes hold on i'm great you are not and the others are going well my life sucks and there you are causing that toggle yeah so what we found is that the way that we uh, organize our structures how we work together When you look at them, uh, at stage four, everybody's connected to everybody is connected to everybody. Everybody has, it's like the internet, everybody has access to all the information all the time. And everybody is regarded inside of dignity, inside of respect. Everyone uh, does something that a friend of mine calls leads from their current position. Right. So, stage four is a lead from your current position kind of place. And then we come together and wow, you get out there and you do something amazing. Then you go home and you do your war stories and you talk about it. And you wait around for the next call from the world uh, to go out there and do something astonishing.
1: So if you step right back, so you've got those five stages, and I think we all relate to those stages. And you can see, and in, in, and I guess the thoughts that go through my mind is like, which stage do I operate in? So I've definitely experienced many of those stages, and I, I, I've experienced stage five, stage, stage four, and again, thinking about different work contexts. Um, but is there a practical way of uh, really identifying where you are? Because it's quite fluid; you move back and forward. Based. Yeah. On, you know, well, it's you know, two things.
0: Uh, it. One is listening closely to the netted out conversation about people talk because stage three is pretty much, I'm great and you're not, and you can hear it. And, uh, and generally we kind of step over it. Mm. Here's what you need to know. Stage two and three, when you uh, put them together, that's the world of management for openers. And second of all, That's about 75% of all, everybody. So roughly 50% of the people are at stage uh, three at any given time. Roughly 20, 23, 24% are at stage two at any given time. So mostly the default, uh, what is called, do you know this expression, the throne position?
1: Um, I don't know.
0: Okay, if you took dice and you just threw them and you just got what came up, That's thrown. So stages one, two, and three are thrown for human. We just do that naturally. Mm -hmm. Okay. Stage four and five are designed. So that's distinct from thrown. When you understand that you've been living a thrown life, you become interested in how do I design a life? And one of the things that you understand, or you you come to uh, 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 kind of a presence to, is that what it is to be a human being is to be ultra social. Mm. And if I'm trying to do this on my own or be better than or whatever, I'm just doing some version of of master slave. Mm. But if I could actually create a tribe where we were aligned on something that was a worthwhile vision that had people were in the tribe because they chose their way in Mm. and they were, had the capability of leading from their current position. They had, and the tool that they brought, the specialty that they brought was two things. One is they had a meritorious skill set that we could use. And the second is they were surrendered to the tribe. Yes, of course. So if I'm surrendered to the greater good or the tribe or the vision like that, we are having wholly different kinds of conversations. At the level of stage two and three, the conversations that are occurring are about commitment, integrity, responsibility, and accountability. But Lawrence, if you were um, training to go to the Olympics Mm. and you really knew that you had an opportunity if you got there and you had did your best, you had an opportunity to medal in the Olympics. So you are going for the gold. Okay, you really are. It's not just a nice idea. You're training for this. And I were your coach. And I came in and I had a conversation with you that was about commitment, integrity, responsibility, and accountability. You would fire me in a heartbeat. That is a lower level junior conversation. Now, it's the one that you hear, it's the one that you hear all the time. But champions, are interested in conversations that are in their ascending or descending order, noble cause, vision, mission, goals, and accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And they're interested in what am I doing today that is actually going to get me to my goal, which is going to actually fulfill on my mission, which is actually going to uh, uh, get me to the point where I have actually created the vision and fulfilled on the vision which has me to the point where that was the noble cause. Mm -hmm. So if you're an Olympian, if you're a champion, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to have conversations with you on the level of noble cause, vision, mission, rather than uh, commitment and integrity. Mm -hmm. Now, this is different, but at stage two and three, that's all they're having is the commitment integrity conversation. Mm -hmm. At stage four, The only conversation we're having is the vision, mission, noble cause. And what'd you do today? (laughs) It's a different quality.
1: Completely different. Why?
0: Because I'm interacting with you and it's it's an act of grace to grant that you are actually inside of a partnership with champions. Mm. That that's your attitude. Mm.
1: So this this word attitude comes up uh, regularly. Yeah. So it very much is an attitude of the officers.
0: Yeah, it's designed. Mm. So throne is, well, I don't have any proof that he blah, blah, blah. That's my throne conversation. So therefore, he's very ordinary and in fact, not good enough. And I'm, I'm great and he's not. Mm. That's what you're <laughs> given by. You're and that- given by the throne conversation. But in the created design conversation, it's, this is my partner, Lawrence. He is astonishingly good at this. He's a guy who's got my back. So our relationships become character based. Now, here's the deal virtue forms character, and character unfolds destiny. So if we practice the virtues, virtues are our practices of excellence. If we practice the virtues, we, it forms our character. And our character unfolds our destiny, which is to say our vision, our mission, our noble cause.
1: (laughs) That all makes sense. So relationships, you've touched on that word quite a few times. The whole thing to operate. There's a bit about self understanding yourself and understanding yeah. where you are and then there's also a piece around understanding the people that you mix with your tribe because that yeah. will that that either lifts everyone up or pushes everyone down you know and yeah. the work i do you talk to companies about culture change and the the cultures with with, uh, with this lens are clearly operating at a two or a three in, in, in many in many instances and and want to and want to actually progress. But what what are your thoughts about relationships and and really um you know because we're in the age of collaboration a lot of people are talking about collaborating but collaboration yeah. requires relationships that are based on on, on yeah
0: path. mostly I see. Oh, uh. Collaborate according to my definition of collaboration <laughs> and I would like exactly. it. So exactly. that's, done, but here's the deal. I don't care what business you're in. I don't care if you're an architect. I don't care if you're in real estate. I don't care if you're in finance or uh, you do tax returns or uh, what form of business you do or if you're a professional dancer uh, or an artist. Let's take the case of real estate you have to understand you're not in the real estate business. You're in the relationship business.
1: Mm.
0: And God gave you real estate as a vehicle. So I was a professional dancer at a time in my life many pounds ago. And uh, I was in the relationship business and I had been granted dance as a vehicle to be related to people. Mm. Whatever it is you do, you you know, you you design training programs well you're not you're not a, that's not the business you're in you're in the relationship business and your vehicle is your uh, skill set of being able to put people together to put powerful programs together so relationship is the a number one base distinction of what it is to be human together mm. And it starts from the inside. So, leadership is an inside out thing. And so, you work on yourself first. And the way you work on yourself is you work inside. Aristotle said there are moral virtues that are internal, they're cardinal virtues. And the four cardinal virtues are courage, temperance, which is about managing your emotions, justice, which is about right and wrong, Mm. and uh, prudence which is about the way that you make your choices and decisions in life. And those are the virtues that you practice for your internal self. And then there are the external virtu- virtues, he called them the intellectual virtues, but they're the way that you interact in the world. And I've messed with them a bit, but I'd say the first one is your word. Your word to the world is sacred. Yes. Mostly talk is cheap, but with a true leader, words are sacred. The second one is your vision. Because you have to have, see leadership is a distinction that is granted by permission of those being led. So therefore, if I don't have your permission, you're not gonna follow me at all. But if I have your permission, you will follow me through hell to get to where it is that we wanna go together. So, So word and vision, then the third, uh, the third uh, virtue is something called nous, N-O-U-S, which means mind, but it really means your intuition mm. and trusting your intuition. And then the fourth uh, external uh, uh, virtue is wisdom. So you got these eight. You got courage, temperance, justice, uh, and prudence. And then you got your word, you got vision, you got your intuition, and you got wisdom practicing those those are called cardinal virtues and a cardinal the word cardinal means hinge so when you practice that virtue it opens the gate for many other practices to come in right wow and you build yourself that way Mm -hmm. and it sets you up to answer the four critical questions that a leader has to answer and the four critical questions is am i the right one is this the right place is this the right time? And do I have the right plan? So you practice those virtues to support the four questions. This is an Aristotelian conversation. Because mm-hmm. I don't think we've come a long ways since Aristotle, frankly. I, in the mean,
1: <laughs> I think, that, I think that, that's wonderful. It really simplifies it. And those four questions that we ask ourselves you know, r- r- regularly, um, do you have like a a structured process around how you answer those questions and how you well
0: i present it to people and what i do is i draw like a clock face Mm -hmm. okay and around the clock face at uh 12 3 6 and 9 i put the four leadership questions the one the time the place and the plan and then at two and three i put courage and temperance. And at four and five, I put justice and uh, uh, prudence and I do a yin-yang thing and I make it, that's the dark part, that's the yin part. That's the inner part of who you are. (laughs) And then the yang part is uh, at seven o'clock and eight o'clock, on the clock face is your word and then vision and then at 10 and 11 is intuition and wisdom so it shows like a clock face that is really a yin and yang and i call the tool uh aristotle meets lao tzu
1: (laughs) i love that that is so so good it's so it's so simple and yet so effective you know, that's why I, I really love it because it is very practical and you can understand where you are and you know, and work on yourself first. Well, uh, it,
0: yeah, you're right. It, it, first of all, children can get this. <laughs> they really can because they have no resistance to it. Oh yeah, okay, that. Okay, next. Uh. But the thing about it is it allows you when you go to one o'clock, now we can have a courage conversation. Now, a virtue, a virtue, Aristotle said, is the practice of the habit of choosing the mean between the extremes of too little and too much Mm. in the matter of your actions and and your emotions this is why when you were a child you were taught a little you were taught some version of a story called little red right no uh goldilocks and the three Mm. bears turns out if you go to russia they have a a story called Masha and the three bears. And if you go to Southeast Asia, they have a uh, three bears story. If you go to Mexico, they have a story about a girl with little red curls and three bears. So why did you, why were you taught this question? Why is it taught universally? Is to teach you the mean between the extremes. She goes into the house One chair is too big, one's too small, one's just right. She goes to the kitchen, one porridge is too hot, one is too cold, one is just right. She goes into the bedroom, one bed is too soft, one is too hard, another is just right. You are being taught the golden mean. Now, your mom didn't know that, or your dad didn't know that, but that's what it is. Mm. So you take a look at courage, and courage is the mean between too little courage is cowardice. Too much courage is recklessness. So you're choosing the mean between cowardice and recklessness when you choose courage. And you choose it all day long, every day. Mm. In temperance, it's about your emotions. Lack of emotions is apathy. Too much emotion is hysteria. Mm. So temperance is the mean between too little and too much, apathy and hysteria. So practice the virtue, you know, prudence. We all know people who make a snap decision. They don't they uh, snap decision. They don't gather the information. They don't take the time to consider it. They just make a snap decision. Imprudent. Or we also know other people make us crazy, who gather information and then they gather it in three more three more years later. They're still gathering information. They never come to their decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, my little sister, for example, uh, she didn't get married, and, I, and she had guys chasing her. And I said, why? why? Why did you never get married? And she said, John, she said, uh, it took me 18 months to decide on the wallpaper in my kitchen. <laughs> Imprudent.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's this word equilibrium again, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's finding that balance. It is
0: exactly the right word. Exactly the right word. And balance. Mm. So so there you are. So we're choosing for that, and we're choosing for virtue. The practice of virtue, the aggregate of virtues that you practice, forms your character. Mm. Now, your character is what I want to be in relationship with. Sure. And the relationship has three certain levels. There's a level called character, there's a level called utility. Most businesses are on the level of utilitarian.
1: Mm.
0: So uh, And they're kind of what's in it for me. Mm. And then there's the lowest level, which is pleasure. You know, you and I like to go bowling. So we go bowling, and then you get tired of bowling. We have no more relationship. Right. Or we do business, and what's in it for me? But then you decide, well, you know, there's not enough in this for me, whatever, and you're gone. Utilitarian. So all relationships at stage four are character based relationships. Those are, I got your back, you got my back, we got each other's back. Mm-hmm. I'm in this with you, and we are both zeroed in on and aligned on the noble cause, the vision, and the mission. So, yeah. so that's
1: how you build so, champions. and that's and is that what you do? Like when you work with a with a, with yeah. an organization, that's what you would do. You help that's them, exactly
0: out. the conversation that I have.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's what words are we using, where are we now, and then how. So, there's a lot of um inner in transformation required to really shift because yeah, the yeah. Word, when you speak a word that comes to my mind a lot is unlearn. You know, I've been doing some work with indigenous uh, cultures here in Australia, and it's been very interesting because a lot of what they teach and have done for you know, th- thousands of years is tribal leadership, how to operate at, at, a, stage, at a stage four, stage five um, level. Um, and it's, it's almost in ground in the cultures from, from a very young age. Uh, it in, is. In, in our culture, uh, we, we have a different way of, um, of, um, of, um, of teaching if you like or we have done certainly and some of those um, some of those more stage three principles i.e there's there's not enough to go around and those types of things can encourage encourage uh, a, a stage let's call it a stage three level of thinking um, they lock
0: you in they lock you in yeah. yeah you know one of the things that I, that I like to say to people Lawrence, is this you know I have a room full of people who've come to get leadership training. And I say, you know, and the first thing to do is acknowledge that everybody in the room, whatever got them in the room, you know, there's something about that. Mm. And generally speaking, people have been there, they've had five or six different leadership training before. So uh, it's very, very much a danger that it's going to be, oh, another one of these. And they kind of phone it in. Mm. So here's what I say. I'm not here for you. I'm not here for you. I am here for the dreams and the aspirations of your parents and grandparents. And I am here for the promise of legacy that you're leaving to your children and grandchildren. You're the guy I get to talk to.
1: (laughs) That is a that is an amazing thing. I think I'm gonna borrow that line and and credit you
0: for that. (laughs) It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, because we're not going to be thinking, I'm not having a management conversation. I'm not going to have, I am not going to have a conversation with you about what is it that you're going to accomplish in the next 90 to 120 days. And oh, by the way, it's a matter of your commitment and your integrity and your accountability. And Not gonna have that conversation. That's insulting You are a champion. I'm gonna have a conversation that began the day that your oldest grandfather was born and will end when your youngest grandchild dies. It's about 150 years. So you wanna look that you are part of the chain of leadership that has been passing through your family. And you wanna get that the question that you are organized around if you are really smart is who are my partners? And you put down my my parents and my grandparents and my children, and my grandchildren. Then, Loris. <laughs>
1: you can you can move forward that's it that is so that is so amazing and so joined up in terms of the entire in terms of the whole approach it really it begins and you realize that you as an individual um, have a lot more power the whole theme of the um, of the um, uh, singularity you summit is about um, unleashing your superhero so there's two things that really tie in so one of them is unleashing your superhero the, the uh t- time to this uh, this uh, premise that we all have inner power um, and we need to learn how to unleash that to create a better world and then the other is a future by design and um, that you as an individual can create a vision for the future and then create a tribe who share that vision and want to work with you to um, to turn that vision into a into a reality so
0: yeah like, literally that's a, a extremely succinct uh distinguishing of what stage four is
1: mm-hmm. i love it i mean it really works for me and it ties in this this whole thing around wellness being it's, it's something you mentioned during the the during, um, during the the uh, zappos example is that Wellness, um, trust—they're all—they're all in the background. And I think as soon as you make these things, and that's how it should be. You know, if you're a part of stage four, then you yeah. care about the wellness and the well-being of your of your tribe because you've got everyone's back. So why 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 wouldn't you do that? Yeah. And it becomes you know,
0: If you look at it, Lawrence, if uh, let's say inside of our relationship, if trust is an issue, there is no trust. You know, so, if okay. love is an issue, there's no love, mm. you know, but uh, if it is a living, breathing kind of distinction that is really literally the ecology of our of our relationship, because that's what you are as a leader, is you're an ecologist mm-hmm. and you're creating, uh, uh, you know, a kind of ecology or, or environment for people to flourish in. And your job is to not mess with the people. Your job is to tend to the ecology of things, keep working for people. Mm, Successful uh, and powerful, effective leaders are the kind of people who are kind of always looking at the the context of things and dealing with the, uh, what I call the clearing. Mm. Dealing with the clearing and keeping it clean and pure and straight and right because people get in and they clutter things up and they put debris in there and they put gossip in there and they put uh, all kinds of attitudinal things and and points of view and being right. And, you know, I mean, at stage two and three, there's only two things human people, uh, humans care about, which is being right and looking good. That's all they care about. So that's all, so your clearing is filled up with people being right and looking good and making others wrong and everything. There's no workability. Stage four is a platform of workability, but it's designed.
1: It's not new like mm, design. I love this. You're a, 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 as a leader, you're an ecologist. I, I haven't. Thought yeah. of, you know, we use words like uh, ecosystem a lot, but being an yeah. ecologist, that I think that metaphor really, really helps. It also kind of touches on the point that because often you you can think of a leader as someone who has formal responsibility, which I guess is more of a manager, whereas yeah. a leader can be anyone. You know, anyone yeah. who. Takes uh, who is willing to do that work and um, and will create a um, anyone who's willing to champion. Uh, Listen, whatever. the
0: newest guy in the newest guy in can provide leadership. Mm. You know, my my friend, uh, his name is Wayne Pollard, and he retired as a lieutenant colonel and highly decorated in the army. Flew helicopters. He taught leadership at West Point, which is our military academy. This guy knows something about it, okay? And he invented a whole distinction around what he called lead from your current position. So whoever you are, you have an access to leadership. You may not be the manager. You may not be the one who's accountable. You may not be the one who's, you know, being, but you can definitely provide leadership. Mm -hmm. You can get up underneath people. You can, and when you have, you know, uh, we have a, in our military, we have a, a, an elite group called the US Navy SEALs. And a US Navy lead, uh, SEAL team is generally five people. And there's somebody who is a ranking officer. He would be like the equivalent of a colonel or a commander. And then you have people that are in descending orders a lieutenant, a couple of sergeants. And then there's some people who are like very private. However, each and every person in the SEAL team has a specialty. And when it's time for that person's specialty to be the on point specialty, that person is the leader and the commander follows. The lieutenants follow Mm -hmm. and they follow the private, who knows? So in the military, uh, they are called These people who are out there and they were doing that, a lot of times they're by themselves, are in direct communication with the general back at headquarters, and they're called the tip of the spear. And they're providing leadership and data so that the general can make prudent decisions.
1: Makes perfect sense. Yeah. I'm I'm conscious of time and uh, there's so much I think I could talk to you for another 2 hours at least and um, because we haven't even that's touched loving
0: the, loving you're you're so gracious
1: <laughs> we haven't even touched on your journey to tribal leadership like I know you started as a dancer and I'd love to ask you about that but maybe in the time we've got we should talk about where we are now in the current context and the work you're doing mm-hmm. with the um, Conscious Accelerator team and how that has evolved. So you wrote the book. Um, when, when did the book come out? Uh, what year did Trouble in the The book out? came out
0: 2011. So well, it's 2011. an old book.
1: So we've got ten. So we've got ten years, and like the world has changed a lot in ten years. And when. But the but the principles everything we've talked about are as relevant today as they have always been exactly what you're saying about, aristotle you know basic
0: pe- classic they're based on classic principles
1: classic principles you know people are people and we all have that that journey to, to travel and find in equilibrium as i as i call it the tools that you've shared will really help us this concept around leadership is an inside inside uh, out thing i i think really summarizes the whole thing because when the world around us can feel very um, chaotic, we can bring that inner equilibrium, that inner calm, um, and start to um, start to move forward. Uh, and it does give you a, a huge sense of empowerment. So, what's happened since the book came out? So, so you said it was a. It, it, it feels like the world needed the book, and Seth yeah. Godin's publishing plan and yours came together, and now we yeah. use the word tribe, tribe a lot, um, in uh, in what we're doing. Um, but but what, what's happened since, and and how um and how has the Conscious Accelerator come into the um, into the picture?
0: Well, the uh, uh, kind of the 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 quick and easy version of that is, uh, book was published 2011. Uh, I was at the time was uh, uh, lecturing at the University of Southern California in this uh, Marshall School of Business and the Pri- Price School of Public Policy. And uh, I saw that I was kind of done with that, you know how you're done with a certain part of your life and you're looking around for what's next. And so, uh, and I decided that I wanted to be back in New Mexico. My mother was uh, about 97 at the time. so I want to be back and around my mom and so on like that so I uh, dissolved my business relationship and uh, dissolved my relationship with the university went back to New Mexico wondering what was next and a guy who had been on faculty at uh, C.B. Richard Ellis University with me several times uh, came to me and he said uh, John Uh, What I want you to do is, I want you to come with me to the Middle East, and we've got a leadership academy there, and I want you to uh, train people in leadership, we have remarkable people coming from all over the Middle East, we also do this in Central Asia, we do this in Southeast Asia, and I'd want you to be on faculty with the thing, and I said, Jim, I said, I'm very, very flattered, but I'm going to decline, and he looked at me like, what? And uh, He said, why? And I said, Jim, uh, I have been lecturing patty cake leadership for the last 13 years and I can no longer do one more syllable. And he grabbed me by the shoulder and he said, John, this is the real deal. (laughs) I said, okay, Jim, and I have a great respect for the guy. I said, okay, Jim, I'll come once. So I went once. That was in 2012. And uh, I've now gone back 23 times. (laughs) It is the real deal. So I teach and I lead in leadership academies around the world, uh, Central Asia, uh, Middle East, Southeast Asia, and in Moscow. And then, uh, then we've got this going on. But a few months ago, somewhere in the course of that, I was doing something called gatherings where I would have people come together for a weekend and we would take one distinction, like the distinction of honor. And we would turn that distinction inside out for a weekend. Really have, we had nine different conversations on honor. Khan was one of the ones that came to my gatherings we formed a relationship. He asked me if I would come into Conscious Accelerator and I stepped in. And what happened was, what happened was Ian and Steven and Holly and Con, and we had a kind of a leadership jazz quintet (laughs) where we could just start talking and wow, music was happening. Empowerment was happening. Rich said, we weren't going anywhere with it. Well, Khan was, because Khan's very directed. Mm. But the rest of us were, nah, we're just having it. We were having this incredible thing. But great, uh, gradually it got shaped more and more and more to where it's Conscious Accelerator and we have a program to deliver and so on like that. But for me, uh, I, I, I know it probably sounds kind of trite, but I'm in it for the music. Mm. i'm in it for the i'm in it for the jazz quintet i'm in it for playing with people somebody once asked me lawrence to said what do you want to do and i said i'll tell you what i want to do i want to have uh intelligent and witty conversations with bright and attractive people that i could stand
1: i love that i love
0: that yeah, yeah that's what it became
1: mm. and so then- Mm, that's great and then if the uh, if one of the byproducts of those bright witty conversations is music that others can enjoy then yeah. everyone's winning and dance and all the yeah, things it, exactly it, it feels yeah. it feels like yeah, your whole life story has almost been designed even though you didn't design it you know like the dance <laughs> you, you just No, it's
0: very true it's very true when I was 19 years old I knew I wanted to be a dancer mm-hmm. and uh people would come to me who loved me And they would say john that's that's nice you want to dance you know but uh you need to have something solid to fall back on i think you'll like accounting (laughs) i think you'll like selling insurance (laughs) and it netted out to people saying to me john you have to have a plan and my response to that from 19 years old was uh my experience of people who have a fallback plan is that they end up in their fallback position so my plan is to have no plan my plan is to practice virtue form my character and unfold my destiny and see where it takes me
1: i love that and i think on that note let's let's wrap up and john Thank you so much for spending time with us today, for sharing your wisdom, sharing your knowledge and for sharing your music, I have to say, because I, uh, you know, this podcast, this, uh, this show, it's all about helping people find equilibrium. And we've talked about many, many, uh, many, many ideas. And I, 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 for one, feel much more in equilibrium now than I did when we first started talking. So thank wow, you. So much wow, wow, how
0: gracious of you. Well, uh, first of all, uh, let me thank you Uh, the greatest gift uh, that uh, a person can give another person is the gift of their listening. And I feel that I've been listened into existence as something like my best self. Mm. And I just really appreciate the quality of the listening that you provide for me, because it allows me to explore aspects of my character. Mm. you know and it allows me to do in minimalism there's five things there's health there's relation there's your passion there's discovery and there's contribution and what you allowed me to do was to have an artful conversation with a guy where all five of those were present Mm. and it was a function of your listening so thank you very very much
1: no, my, my great pleasure, and thank you again. Thank you for writing the book. I, I, and uh, you know, I'd love to just acknowledge you for that book. You know, it's it's rare that um, uh, that we get to speak to uh, to someone who has written a book that has impacted so many lives. So, uh, you know, congratulations for having the having the um, having the idea for the book for actually doing the work and making that book happen and for building on that book and helping so many people to really find stage uh, find an experience level level five so thank you so much
0: and uh, thank you and you know as I said before who knew just you know Joseph Campbell said follow your bliss <laughs>
1: You know. uh, absolutely you, you, you I, can i
0: do have a question is it, is it would you, would it be possible for me to get a copy of this
1: of course yeah no absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all, all going to be recorded so let me let me um let me wrap up so thank you everyone for listening thank you uh, for um, uh, for your attention and, and for your time i know that's something which is which is very precious and we will see you next uh, next time thanks very much bye now